Good morning. I am your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the November 11, 2014 edition of Ask a Leader. The UCI Veterans Center is closed today, but we are open and privileged to have on the show Marine veteran David Kwok and Navy veteran Gabrielle Kobos, both of whom are pursuing engineering degrees at UCI. They're taking stock of their military careers and their transitions into civilian life. And that is for the full hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back. My guests joining me in studio for the whole hour are Gabriel Cobos and David Kwok, veterans who have served in the Navy and the Marines, respectively. Gabby was raised in various cities around Orange County, relocating with her family many times. With limited options and financing, after high school, she joined the Navy in 2004. After completing nuclear power school training, Gabby served us six years as a nuclear mechanical operator aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS Carl Vincent. She achieved the rank. I'm going to have her pop in here. She, Hi, how are you? Hi. The, you achieved the, which rank? Well, basically, I achieved E6, so Petty Officer First Class. Okay. Um, yeah. Petty Officer First Class. Thank you. Currently, at the age of 28, she's working toward her bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering at UC Irvine. David Kwok is also a California native and was raised in Los Angeles. Before David started his academic career, he listed the Marine Corps and served as an infantry assaultman with the 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines, with whom he deployed to Afghanistan in 2005-2006 and in Iraq in 2006-2007. He attended Mount San Antonio Community College and transferred to California State Polytechnic University at Pomona, where he earned his Bachelor's of Science in Chemistry. His past research includes, and this is a mouthful, transparent multi-phase ceramics, magnesium oxide aerogels, and composite ceramic insulators. That's a lot of value out here. <laughs> David completed an internship at NASA's Glenn Research Center and was a member of Cal Poly Pomona's McNair Scholars Program. David is a first-year Ph.D. candidate in material science at the Department of Chemical Engineering and Material Science at UCI. He's also a member of the American Chemical Society and has been selected to be part of the Society's President Councils of Student Advisors for 2014-2015. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Gabby and David. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll start with your tours of duty. Gabby Kobos, what um, was in uh, known as she was known in, as uh, support, and David Kwok served in combat. Let's start, Gabby, with you. And you underwent some very intensive training prior to becoming a nuclear mechanical operator. Yes, the school was about a year and a half long. It was the hardest school I've ever done in my entire life. Very, very stressful. I'd be studying from eight in the morning until sometimes nine or ten at night. It was very rigorous. And even with all my hard work, I still was, I only had like, like I was, I was barely passing my tests and the tests were really, really hard. And I was about the 50th percentile in the, in the entire school. And that's with studying every single day, trying really hard. And there, it was a round the clock. I mean, you were. Yeah. The, yeah. It, even, even on Saturdays, I would come in for six hours to study just, you know, we studied nuclear power and like n nuclear energy and. Um, reactor sciences, you know, just basically like the systems, how the how the ship works and everything. And it was a lot of work. We'd learn something new every single day. And, and it wasn't like, oh, tomorrow we're going to review for the test. It was just, nope, next day, next day, you have to keep sitting and sitting. So how did you, how were you assigned to that training? Did you have any choice in this? Um, well, I was pretty good in math in high school. Okay. And when I took the ASVAB test, that's the test that uh, lets you know, like what kind of job positions you're you're able to get. Um, I scored pretty high, and my recruiter told me that I had the option to do nuclear power. And so he took me into a room, and the lady told me, the, the, the uh, nuclear recruiter told me that the school was really, really hard, but that I would have amazing job opportunities when I got out, and that, you know, if I decided to stay in for, for uh, 20 years, then I could get really good bonuses just to stay in because 
they had a hard time finding people that could actually do the job. So, but yeah. Okay. So, the but your your tour uh, your um, your service was from 2004 to 2010. So mm-hmm. you you decided that you had enough training and yeah. So what what helped you decide that that was time to leave? There were a few things. Like initially, when I first joined, I thought maybe I would stay in until um, for 20 years so that I can retire. But being in the military for for those years. Even though I loved what I was doing, I loved starting up the main engines and making the ship move and making water for the for the ship. Um, I actually realized that I could make a lot more money on the outside, you know, just coming becoming a civilian again. And on top of that, like the, sometimes the structure isn't the greatest for for them in the military. So I decided to get out and you know have a little bit more freedom of the places that I could work at and who I could work for. So. Um, although I did enjoy, you know, making new friends and going to new places, um, I, I felt like it was time to, to be done and continue on with my life, get a degree and, and move on. And that structure is a topic that David Kwok brought about uh, up in preparation for the interview. And I'll, we'll talk about that when we're talking about uh, sort of chronologically about transitioning into civilian life, how it's sort of a whole reversal of, of what kind of personal skill set you're drawing on there. So uh, you mentioned it was an eye-opener to start the ship's power plant. You said make water. This is like a divine act or something. <laughs> but, so what's, what's it like? So, like, so you we put just... on your suit or whatever, and you're at your station. So what's, uh, what's, you were, what's starting a ship's power plant? Um, well, you know, just we, our ship ran on nuclear power, so we would have to start a reactor and, and make our ship move. But it, it took a very long process to do that, you know, so hours of watch and, and the different shifts of, of watch too. But with our ship, um, when we were leaving uh, Norfolk for the first time, I was able to be in charge of about eight people watch team. Wow. And I, we, we started up the main engines and this is, this is like one of the best reasons of, of one of, one of my, the best feelings I've ever had in my life was to start up those main engines. And not at the time, I didn't realize it was that amazing at the time, you know, I was just getting the work done, getting it through, going, just going, going through going. your protocol. And then when I finished, I went upstairs all the way to the flight deck and I saw the product of what I had done, which was our ship moving for the first time in three years because our ship was in dry dock before this and you know they were getting all fixed up and everything right it's a nuclear power plant Mm -hmm. it's got to meet extra tests yes and so we were leaving for the first time and that was just so such an amazing feeling that that's that's when i was like okay i really want to do something like this when i get out of the military Uh, and for civilian perspective this is a tight parking spot right yeah was it (laughs) yeah you're you're squeezing out of where there's a lot of uh, yeah uh, high price uh there's maseratis of the of the navy type yeah we had had tugboats and well maserati (laughs) (laughs) toyotas a few billion dollars more but yes (laughs) yeah wow okay well, David, uh, would you tell us about your tours of duty? I know that's a big pivot. Um, you survived an attack of an improvised explosive device. Um, I don't know which tour of duty was that, your first or your, it must have been your second one. That was in Iraq, yes. In Iraq, the second one. So I know there are certain items that are off limits to for civilians to inquire about that, but what are civilians available to, to learn about what you experience what your tour of duty was like uh well i I approach it in the sense that if i'm you just come and ask me kind of and i think it's same with most veterans in my type of situation where if there's really no harm in asking and if we don't feel like sharing it with you don't be upset it's kind of those things where we all deal with it on our certain own certain terms and we all deal with it on our same timelines kind of thing but with me i've being able to deal with uh, my own personal situation in the respects where I can talk about generally uh, things that go on, but it's I probably won't get into the specifics of that stuff. And so uh, the circumstances of your joining in uh, the I, I said when your tours of duty were, but I don't I don't have when you actually what year it was that you signed up. Uh, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps when I was uh, seventeen. I was uh, I had to stay a year for high school until I turned 18 so I enlisted in 2004 and same year's gap yeah same okay yeah. okay uh-huh so I enlisted in 2004 did four years of active duty after that I did uh, three years of reserve duty and while I was in reserves I was in community college also okay Mount Sac yes and, and, okay 
So um, I'm concerned about the injury that you sustained there. Um, You were were injured. It was your inner ear. So tell us about how that was dealt with in your care. Uh, Well, um, I was actually very lucky. Um, I I came back with minimal injury compared to some of my friends. And it's uh, it's definitely a waiting process with the VA in dealing with uh, disability claims. I believe my claim took about a little bit over a year to resolve from the day I started the paperwork, which you can do all online now until you actually uh, saw someone and they gave you a certain percentage for your disability. So it's definitely it's it's a waiting process, but my my advice to for people starting that process, you have to start it to begin with. So there's no one really holding your hand and showing you where to go. You just have to go online, go to the um, VA claims online form, and sign up the forms and wait after that. So your your inner ear was attended to, and I think we always civilians want to know. If uh, you you had to advocate for making sure there wasn't any other irreparable or any other kind of damage that needed addressing, like some scans, some pictures of your brain to see what yeah. that trauma might have they done. They do. Uh, they did uh, automatically screening for uh, traumatic uh, head injury, and um, they when you first come back from your deployment, you see a psychologist. It's kind of a requirement. Now, Since when did you think that started? Because um, it, it happened like a newer... both times when I was in Iraq and Afghanistan. So earliest two thousand five to six that started. I think it was more of a, um, a a unit policy that we did that, and it wasn't too anything too extensive. It was just more of it's more of self reporting at that time. And so, did you? Uh, this is a delicate area. I'm going to read the cues of visual audio cues here. Did you? feel like that you had to withhold some things in terms of uh, here uh, that's yeah I've got this headphone is changing on me here did you feel like you needed to um, sort of edit a little bit what's the the record that you are leaving with the military I was always been there was really no pressure in my unit to do any of that type of thing it's again it's on your own what you report I Again, I was fortunately not to be in the situation where I came back with any um, uh, long-term injuries or um, more sustainable injuries than I got. So it's I was never in the situation where I felt like I need to withheld anything. So I was pretty honest usually throughout the whole process. Okay. But again, it's, it's, it is a self-reporting process. Since I think in the mainstream uh, coverage of this, it sounds like there there, there are a lot of there's a lot of help that isn't sought. There are steps. There, are, there is some kind of withholding because of people's concern about endangering their military career, and so um, uh, there may not be an. Uh, it may not be as thorough as might serve them in the longer term recovery. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm not an expert in that, but, so I can't really say if. Uh, but if you were you were whole, whole uh, full disclosure, and you felt like. Yes, you I, were I getting everything I was, you needed. With I was what? taken care of, especially by my unit. They definitely took care of me. They made sure that, uh, and it was more of a when I was active duty or when I was in the reserve. It was more of um, kind of your buddy looking out for you, saying, "Hey, you're all right." Um, so it was really more one to one and personal. Definitely, once you get out in the VA, since the VA is dealing with so many people with so many different claims, you don't get that personality. Uh, but I believe they're trying to work on that. That's one of the things they're trying to fix. Right. I noticed that the um, in uh, the coverage over the weekend, uh, where the VA chief, I'm going to find uh, the VA chief has been addressing some of this backlog with the hiring. Uh, it's Robert, Veterans Affairs Secret- Secretary uh, Robert McDonald. I think he's at trying to add upward of 28,000 uh, personnel to his. Uh, unwieldy uh, agency has 330,000 employees there. So um, I don't know. Uh, is there uh, any experience that you had with uh, medical care, uh, Gabby, in your service? Um, like with with the VA or? Right, with the VA. I mean, you were in support. It wasn't combat. There's a different other, yeah. there's other things. And I don't know. There are. What Actually, you... there is, there is a, something that I do need to go to the VA for because I just realized um, recently that I have a little bit of a hearing problem. And, and uh, it, it was more like I didn't think it was, I didn't think I had anything at all. But then somebody from um, AMVETS, which is a really great organization that looks out for veterans, 
um, one of the guys asked me, oh, yeah, you don't have any hearing problems? I know that a lot of veterans have hearing problems. Like, do you ever hear a ringing in your ears? And I thought, no, I don't have anything. You know, that's fine. That's not, I don't have anything at all. I don't have anything to worry about. But then when I was going to sleep, I, re- I realized, wait a minute, I do have, like, a little ringing in my ears. It's kind of like as if, you know how when you go to, let's say, uh, Knott's Berry Farm or something, and then you go on a roller coaster, and then that night, it, like, the whole day is so loud, or a concert or something, and right. then when you go to sleep, it's like a super high-pitched ringing. Well, I constantly have that, and I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. And so now I, I realize that maybe I, I have something going on, but um, I don't, you know, other than that, um, I don't have any, like, major major problems from being in the military. Um, so do you think that came from, was there some kind of a constant din yeah, because aboard in, the aircraft? In the in the propulsion plant in, in the Navy, like under, because we're basically in the engine room, it's right. really, really loud and you have to wear earplugs at all times. And although I did wear earplugs at all times, you know, it's still, it's still seeped in. It's still pretty loud. Yeah. So that's mighty important data for mm-hmm. the military to consider. Yeah. In the daily work work a day world there yeah and i think it's called tinnitus so well that's what that's what david has mm-hmm. yeah. you're suffering from from the the ied detonation there okay well for those of you who've joined us you're tuned to ask a leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, where my guests are Gabrielle Cobos and David Kwok, veterans who've served in the Navy and the Marines, respectively here on the Veterans Day commemoration of my show, Ask a Leader. So um, we talked a little bit about the um, how the VA's been stepping up um, and the paperwork that you're completing. Um, so, and the transition. So you're for right now, every your your claims have been full, have been met. That you're processing them. There's uh, and you you go all the way to Long Beach for your care. Is Long Beach uh, VA? I, I did my VA in Los Angeles when I, I was living there. Uh, so yeah, I went to LA the LA clinic down over there. Yeah, okay. they have a few other smaller clinics throughout. Like in I think uh, Laguna Beach and Santa Ana, they have one and. Um, but yeah, like every time I go, they're always so extremely friendly. They're really nice people. They always say hello with a smile, and it's it's very very comforting place. And you feel competent. I mean, yeah. the comfortable. The yeah, people skills is one thing, but I I want them to know it, that that my MRI made it through, and it's a, I got a really good interpretation of that, and that kind of a thing. So yeah. that's that's what you get from that. So, well, uh, your respective transitions. There's a lot to say about that. Um, First, there's the transition in general. Um, what uh, David was talking about what, uh, with uh, me off mic, which uh, Gabby had mentioned briefly in the beginning of this show, is that you were talking, David, about the, the, the veteran has to transition from a very structured command. I don't know. It's not command and control. That's, uh, that's the way agencies work. <laughs> that's not the, but in a command structure, there's always a a superior and the you're all, the, you're a subordinate and so th- there has to be a, a some kind of personal skill to be able to adapt to the lack of that that's like a vacuum or something so can you impart to us and Gabby anytime you want to say where it's a you you were looking for less structure in a sense. Yeah. Or, so, but so both of you can t- talk to. Let's start with David about what it was like not to have a commander anymore. And you were you were the the CEO of David Kwok Inc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's one way to put it. Yeah, it was definitely a big big transition coming out from especially in the Marine uh, Infantry, where they literally taught you how to tie your shoe left over right. Well, because you had to, to know well because so you're it, in the infantry. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a lot of uh, structure and command, and you. There's always a layout of list of things to do. There's always someone watching over you. There's always someone giving you orders, and you're always following. No matter what rank you are, you're always following someone's orders. So I like to say, give an analogy where it's kind of like you go from getting a meal piecewise to be able to go to the buffet and get whatever you want. And coming out from the military, we've been told that you can't do something for so long. When you get out, it's like, oh, my God, I want to eat this. I want to eat this and this. And you kind of stretch yourself thin. So I really advocate for when you get out for that transition period. I'm not saying that uh, we're not smart enough to do that. It just it's such a big transition that it's hard for us to wrap our head around. With, I mean, it takes a little bit for it took a little bit for me to realize that I had to plan my own schedule. I had to 
there wasn't really any counseling at um, my situation, so I had to figure out what classes I can take, uh, what classes interfere with the others, what I needed to transfer and graduate. So a lot of that stuff, it's it's kind of you have to learn on your own. And I was fortunate enough that I made a few friends uh, off the bat. They kind of guided me through that. Yeah, civilian friends yeah, or civilian veteran friends. friends that had uh, made the transition yeah, uh, or both? A few civilian friends, uh, one or two veteran friends. And we, we're kind of all in the same boat, so we're kind of just figuring things out. So there's, I, I think that building a, a network of um, people you can talk to, like fellow veterans, uh, people that you can relate with, really helps you out, when, especially in my situation when I did that. But that is a different skill set. You don't, in the military, you don't get to sort of, you know, ask around for that kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. So you when, just take commands, it's, it's, take it's, orders. It's, that's another big change where in the military, you had your, your, your squad leader, you had your squad, your fire team. These are the people you're assigned to work with. Out here... You have to find your own people. You have to find your own the people you can relate to, and that's one of the another difficulty as veteran being a student is it's getting used to find people you can relate with. Because yeah. definitely coming out from the military, you're more mature, you're older, and I came out as a sergeant, and coming from that to being having freshmen, eighteen year olds as my peers again, it was <laughs> definitely a culture shock. So trying to find those people you can relate to, it's it's a very important situation. Well it must have seemed really odd. Is they're 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 bright. You're the the civilian eighteen year old students were bright, but they just they were wet behind yeah, the ears. Just, so it just must a, have been strange. A, a, a different Off world. putting in a way. So. It, it, yeah, it's like nothing negative about them. It was just a different world. It's like stepping from going to black and white to color kind of thing. Oh, okay. Mm. Gabby, what would you like to add to that change of command to um, the unstructured? I'd say it, it definitely, I, I agree with the whole uh, moving from having a lot of people around you at all times to being completely by yourself. Like you are your own person. You you decide what you want to do. I mean, the the week after I got out of the military, I was, I felt so amazed that I could actually go to a sushi bar and like eat whatever I wanted instead of having to choose from either corn dogs or hot dogs or, you know, things like corn dogs or or hamburgers or something like that. And I just, there was so much appreciation for my life when I got out because all of a sudden I have my own bathroom and I don't have to take my, my, my shampoo in with me to the, to the bathroom every time and my towel and all of my clothes. I don't have to share a three-person bunk bed with somebody. I don't have to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night because somebody decided to talk or something in my in my room. Uh, they do that in my barracks, yeah, because we all sleep in the same space. Right, I understand. So they, that's a uh, so the space is uh, oh. especially in engineering because we have so many people working all different hours of the day. I get the close quarters, the night, but so. not honoring that somebody's got to sleep though. That's kind of some people caught on. Well, and some if you're a light didn't. sleeper, it's it's a little bit more difficult. There yes. is a lounge, but you know people still will try, you know whisper and and still you'll still wake up and stuff. But the, just my life was just so amazing and beautiful after afterwards. Just even being able to see the sun every day because in engineering you're underground, you're under the sea level. Even you don't you don't for see hours. the sun for how long, hours. How long would your shift be? Um, the longest I've ever done one um, watch was eight hours. Okay. Uh, with you know you're supposed to have lunch in between and stuff, but um, and then I think the shortest was maybe about four hours or so. But if you don't go out of your way on the ship to go see the sun, you never see the sun. You don't get any vitamin D. You you have to. I mean, it's a lot of times you're basically deciding between going to sleep, like taking maybe a, a twenty hour or twenty minute nap, or taking a shower or eating. And like sometimes you can only do two out of the three or so. So just so much of an appreciation of life afterwards and then the other thing was about the about the having so many friends around you you're you're living with these people you're living and working with these people these people become your best friends and some of them are people you probably never would have talked to in high school or never would have talked to you in high school and then all of a sudden you just have so much compassion for these people and to go from that to getting out and not knowing anyone I mean luckily I had my mom and my my brother's to come back to but there there are people that they don't know where to go after that and that's that's a huge struggle for a lot of veterans wayward david did you 
Did you have something? Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. The, the appreciation for, for life is definitely there. I mean, the little tiny things like taking showers and all that is definitely something you, you appreciate. Well, and how then, long how long between the longest stretch between showers for you on your tours? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I have no idea. Well, and I guess I get to ask that without being rude. Um, like a I'd month? S- I'd say two no, months? no. I'd say no. maybe like two or three days for me personally. No, oh, on the ship I understand, on the aircraft carrier, <laughs> but I'm wondering, out, you know, out in Ga- Afghanistan, how long between, the longest stretch between showers? It was definitely weeks. And, uh, well, we, we kind of walked through a river one time, so that was kind of a shower. You made it a you made Yeah, it, you, you, uh, you improvise. You, you definitely, I mean... We were so busy that showering was kind of like a secondary thought. Yeah, but it's just like the comfort of being clean is definitely more appreciated to me now, <laughs> for sure. Well, you do look impeccable, listeners. You can't <laughs> you can't see what we're but we we have two impeccable veterans in here. We're in very this, clean in studio. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And for those of you who've just tuned in, my guests here on Ask a Leader are Gabriel Cobos and David Kwok, veterans who've served. At David in the Marines and Gabriel Cobos in the the uh, Navy, and we're talking about the transition that they are making uh, from military to civilian life. I'd like to just take a little bit of break here. Everybody have a moment to consider this, and we'll be back after this uh, little interlude. Thank you. Thank you for staying tuned. You're back with uh, Ask a Leader today. We're commemorating Veterans Day because it is the least we can do. We try not to do it just one day out of the year. We do, um, as other topics develop, and on Memorial Day, we do uh, other coverage, and it's it's certainly a, it's a pleasure and incumbent here at Community Radio to do that. And we uh, we'd li- I guess well, let's. Ju- I'd like to give a shout out to Adeli Duron who single-handedly is the administrator at the UCI Center. And that's, that's a part of our talk about transitions here. So um, we've, the, in the transitions, you have had to rely on the campus centers for the uh, community college, at the community college and the UCI level. So I, I will just take a whoever wants to give me an indication who's ready first um, to talk about well, first, before we talk about the center, let's talk about this institution of the GI Bill, of uh, of which you're both still benefiting from mm-hmm. at this point. So um, you both learned a great deal with there's a rhythm here and how... Uh, and how you want to give an advisory to beneficiaries based on your experience about how to plan the 36-month benefit or the ability to uh, extend that benefit. So, maybe, so Gabby, why don't you talk a bit first about how you're managing your GI benefit for your education and your undergraduate career here. Okay. So um, in community college, I didn't really know where to even start. I started off just looking it up online and... Um, I realized I had to fill out all these forms online, and I thought I thought that was the end of it. You know, I thought I was just going to get my money sent to me, and then that's it. But then I found out that it. They said, you know, you have to talk to your VA representative, which I had no idea who that was. So I I, I went to the veterans office at Irvine Valley College, which is my community college that I went to, and um, they said, oh yeah, you need to give us a plan of what your plan, you know, what degree you want, what classes you're planning on taking. And um, had you come to us earlier, we could have signed you up for, for classes even before anybody else instead of, because I had to take, I think, like like sociology and like anthropology because I couldn't get into any of the classes that I needed to get into um, for my major. And um, I didn't even know that we had priority registration. So I would suggest for anybody that's getting out of the military anytime soon to... Or somebody who knows somebody. I mean, yeah. everybody's a resource. Yeah, to, to talk to somebody because... You know, we're so used to just being on our, you know, just helping ourselves figure out things sometimes. And, you know, when you're getting out, you're thinking, okay, this is just me. This is, I I have to do this by myself. But you do have, you know, your resources. Go to your community college and find out who your veteran representative is and talk to them and ask them exactly what you need to do. Because 
when I went to them, they were very surprised with how much I knew on my own. But because most people, you know, they'll go to them and ask the questions. So definitely get help to to plan what your career is going to be about, how to do it. Okay. David yeah, Kwok. So I, I definitely agree with um, more of that, that planning to figure out what you want uh, in college, figure out your major, and figure out the plan of what classes you want to take. It's that... It, it, the counselors can help you with that, but it really comes up to your own initiative to figure out what you want to do in your life and what's your purpose of going to college to begin with. That would really help expite the process of getting the paperwork filled. And for the GI Bill, when I had it, you have to um, fulfill requirements uh, in your major only. So if you're saying, I did mine in chemistry, so I can only take classes related to chemistry or anything that will progress my uh, degree progress. So you can't just people. Are, it's a misconception. People, veterans, think that they just can go to college, take twelve units of PE, and think they'll get money for it. That's, it or doesn't if you're trying like to that. go for the enriching kind of broader education, that's not. No, yeah, it's, it's not definitely the, the VA. You have to specifically wow. declare what you want to do, and you have to take classes within your degree uh, progress. That's a requirement to get the money from the VA, and also. Uh, you only get three years of this uh, VA uh, GI Bill. After that three years, you, unless you have uh, um, disability and claim a vocational rehab like I did, you, your money is gone. So it really will help you in the long run to determine what you want to do to begin with and how you want to allot your time, your three years. So there's no rush to start. You know, there's no kind of a clock that said this is you better figure out your education program. It's it's behooves you to determine what your your desired major and professional tra- uh, trajectory is so, so that you can work efficiently toward putting all of that 36-month GI Bill toward definitely, that. Definitely. You, okay. Yeah, at the end, I mean, doesn't matter if you're halfway between finishing your degree uh, your degree, or if you're one class away. After you expunge those 36 months, it's it's... It's over. You're on your own. However, as you told me off mic, that in your case, with your disability, there are annual extensions yes, to the so, GI um, Bill coverage of your education. So again, I did my three years. I used it for my undergraduate degree, and my last senior year was not covered. But since I was, if you rate 10% disability or higher, you can qualify for a program called vocational rehab, in which they would help you, um, fund you for your last year to get your degree. And there's... Um, a couple other things too. So the vocational rehab wants to make sure that you're successful as a disabled veteran going forward. So if you get your degree and you you can't find a job, they'll help you find a job or they'll uh, provide you funding while you're looking for a job. And they'll, I believe they also will cover a master's program if you decide to do that too. Since I am doing a PhD program, which is uh, funded by my department, my uh, vocational rehab um, case closed. Okay. All right. And so let's, um, if you could break down your disability, what percentage is that? Considered? So it's 10%. It, it's just 10%. Yeah, it's just 10%. It's, I mean, a lot of people come out, my, I have a lot of friends that came out with a lot more disability than I did. And I feel that I've got enough so I can have my paperwork there and I can have my name on file. But I really, compared to some of my friends, I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at kind of thing. And I... I definitely i i'm fine <laughs> compared to a lot of my friends so i definitely that the money spent for other people with higher disabilities it's more power to them gabby anything more to add to that um uh, no i mean also the, another thing that I, I did too that would help um is yes. s- saving a little bit of money before you get out in case you have no idea what you're going to do um i'll have friends who just get out of the military and they're like okay sweet and then they forget wait i don't have you There's know, no my money coming in at all, and and they're still you. They still spend as much money as they were, in the in the military. So, I'd say watch out for that. That's a big, a big uh, risk. Is there any kind of uh, military sort of life skill counseling on that kind yes, of a thing you get is. Before? Right before before you get out? You know, they they tell you, you know, this is just be careful because you know you might have a little bit of a shock when you get out. You're not going to be, you know able to you're not just going to have like all this money just coming in into your bank account every month like you're used to you have to go out there and find a job you have to go out there and plan what you're going to do well you're also going to be in a much more commercial setting where there's every solicitation of your your 
your hard-earned cash. I mean, when you're ter- serving in the military, you're not uh, confronted with so many economic choices like that. So I guess it's a reversal is no money coming in and every every kind of uh, importuning of what you of your your money that you have. So it's it's a yeah, that sounds like a bad a bad reversal of situations <laughs> there yeah. to to adjust to. So um then that's is there anything else about the GI bill that you've learned that has this is a really important resource as far as what community radio can do to advance how um veterans can make the most of those benefits. Uh, uh David as in uh, both our situation, we were transfer students for a community college. Right. So definitely, it's transfer from a community college is a very good option for veterans because there's that. It's not as expensive as a four year university would be, and you don't have to use your GI Bill right away. Yeah. Those thirty six months don't start the day you start college or community college. You can save that until you transfer. And if you were, and since community college is really relatively inexpensive compared to other university, you can pay for that bill yourself and then save your GI Bill when you actually need it at a four-year university. And nowadays, I believe they're they're actually prorated in in a way where they will pay you more if you go to a school that's cost more. So it's not just a one-time um, payout kind of thing anymore. Oh, okay. So it's definitely transferring from a community college would be a good option too. It's not your only option, but it's something that we both did, and I was, I thought it was the best thing for me to do. And it served you well because it's the centers for veterans are set up a bit differently. Yes, so the, on the community college campuses. So why don't you break down that? We're, we, we're given Adele her own; she's yeah. the one and the only. But there, there's a lot larger kind of a facility at the community yeah. colleges. It's yeah, a good place to I'll catch say, you. Uh, Adele, she does a great job here managing the front by herself. She's the only uh, VA certifying rep here on campus, which is it's a big job, a big, big job. Um, at, at community college in the Cal State level, there's usually more because there's more of a veterans population there. So they have a little bit more resources and a little bit more um, funding allotted to the veterans programs because there's a much higher uh, veteran populations at those schools. So at, at community colleges, you, you'll find, um, I won't say more resources, but more people to talk to. Yeah, more more people participating and uh the 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 room is even bigger like we had like a big bigger space to study and like everyone's a little bit more um together i guess here it's more like you just you know you come in you do your paperwork and then there isn't really much space to like hang out or talk to anybody you know we have like one little couch here at uci but like the veteran center at irvine valley college they they actually got a lot of funding for it and we have like a huge study room with computers and like even a smart board to you know to I'm not really sure what they use it for actually but you know they they have they have all these things like a little lounge and everything and it's really cool they have like maybe one at least one veteran student worker and then oh that's important yeah and wow then on top of that they have um, Zeke who's a really great he's basically Adeli but for Irvine Valley College and he does a great job there too okay good good. So, um, and th- that's going to remain that way. That's the, the community colleges are going to be the recipient for those kinds of services. There, there are more community colleges out there. They're larger. They're, uh, they're more visible, perhaps, or more accessible than um, uh, the four-year institutions. So uh, let's talk about what is it like to, to be in that classroom with these wide-eyed... Uh, uh, some of these children, I don't know if they've made their beds yet. And yours had to have like a coin bounce off of your bedroom. But so what? what's it like? Uh, I mean, intellectually, they're holding their own, but uh, interacting and being around them, are, do, what, what are they missing out on? Or what, what, uh, what's, what's this experience like for you in that alongside? And I don't know if there's a difference from maybe the community college has more, uh, there's more mature students that are, that you're seeing re-entry students and that I'd kind say, of thing? Well, it's a, it's a bit of a give and take because in uh, community college, you have a lot more students that are just going just to go. They're not completely focused, super focused. We do have a little bit more. So, some of them are older and some of them are just going because their parents tell them to. And here at UCI, I feel like people are a little bit more focused on their school, on their schoolwork. And uh, and even even though that's the case, even though people here are a little bit more, uh, I feel like, are a little bit more goal-oriented, um, you still 
come to a point where you talk to them and you kind of feel like I, I treat everybody like they're my same age, even if they're 10, even if they're, you know, 60. And I see. I Good so, policy. when I when I talk to to some of the uh, some of the students, the way they interact with each other and me, I sometimes I'm just like, wow, I I I forget that I'm like older than them because I'm so used to treating everybody equally. And it's so weird when they, they just have their own drama in their life and it's just such a petty little thing and you're just like well why why do you care so much about these tiny little things like do you say that no i don't yes, you're internalizing you know, I, that you're wondering yeah. why well yeah but. so do some of them take you aside and they want to know well they want to tap into your uh, worldly experience um some of them do some of them males or females um actually well most of the engineering people are males that's so. true i forgot about that. I was, <laughs> wasn't thinking but so but they so they take you aside and they want to uh see yeah what they can like learn. i i know somebody that oh, pretty much always wants to talk about the military oh so how is it like this and how is it like that and 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 you know i'll tell them my stories about stuff but um yeah just, some people are, are super into it i think most people really really want to know what happened and what my life was like in the navy so david we're waiting. So uh, <laughs> my, I have, being a graduate student now, the age difference and the maturity level, I think we're all on the same par. I mean, being a PhD student, you, you have to go through the gauntlet to, to be in that position. Yeah, it but, is. It's a few goldfish to swallow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but in my undergrad career, it's, it was definitely a different story. And starting off, um, just my, my mentality coming out, because I was not only was a Marine, I was an infantryman. So you you talk to other fellow infantrymen a certain way. You act a certain way next to them. And you absolutely cannot do that in the civilian <laughs> world. That's a hard transition. And a lot of things I would say normally or do normally, you, you just can't do that kind of things. So when yeah, I first... even in the Navy, I remember like, oh, I need to not say those bad words. I forgot. Yeah, like, yeah. The S Definitely. word is totally, completely common, and it's used as as every everyday language. And then you're swearing like, oh. like a sailor. That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but, definitely not. So, uh, wow. So what? Uh, oh, I'd like to have been in that seminar, that <laughs> kind of, or that uh, that uh, that water break. But so, wow. So definitely, when I first started, you have to learn. I, I tell myself all the time that it's these people, these students, these young students, they just don't function the same way I do, which is, it's just, it's normal for right. my experience and their experience is different. Again, not saying one is better than another, we just come from a different background. So being in a situation where the academic world revolves a certain way, speaks a certain way, they're not going to change for me. I am stepping into a different world, so I have to change for them. So it came, came a lot of personal changes where I have to learn how to um, say things differently, express my emotions differently, um, being able to relate my frustration or anger in a more civil <laughs> manner, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think yeah. in both of our sides, we're we're very used to speaking the truth. Yes, and oh, even yeah, though I there's think, a there uh, is yeah. a protocol, there is a a uh, you're a subordinate. There's still something more direct about how you're yeah. you're interacting with yeah, your peers, even, at least. I mean, like you you have to follow orders, yes. But if you don't like something, you are allowed to say it. You are, yeah. I Can mean, I hear one example? Can we all hear an example? Um, I'll, 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 I'll let you think about that while the others speaking there. So, because um, I, I I'd be really well, curious. Actually, yeah, yes, I just thought of something. There were plenty of times on our ship, and this was so frustrating, where we would be working twelve hour days. Because we 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 would um, this is back when we were still in on land. Oh, so you're not out, right? We had our own apartments, but we would have to drive to the ship and work for twelve hours a day, and then on top of that, we would have training, and on top mm -hmm. of that, we would have eight hour watches without a break, and sometimes our our person in charge of us would forget to tell us the training was canceled, and we would come in two hours early. And we would be furious because we're all exhausted. We haven't eaten, like we, you know, and and we're so angry that, of course, we we said something. We we got really angry at our person at the person that was in charge of us. And I mean, he just said, "Yeah, sorry about that. My bad." I mean, there's nothing like, and and it didn't really even seem like he was sorry because, you know, he's just in charge, and it's not like he can get fired from his position. That's just who he was. He was in charge of us. So. David, what are you thinking of? Um, a situation. 
where uh, in your command I, and then what how I, it I led think out. It's, it's a little different in my situation where we we had our own personal um so there's your personal situation there's your personal complaining but there's mission accomplishment Ooh. one and two does not affect three we have mission accomplishment and we will get it done we have a task we have an order we we have a mission we have a patrol it gets done matter this is infantry folks i'm just yeah. reminding you <laughs> and yeah. no matter what situation no matter how tired we are or how much we're hungry or we want to just not do something it gets done period so my transition from that to the academic world dealing with students that does affect our mission accomplishment how much they're tired or hungry or, or complaining or a professor's bad does affect how they perform and something like that was really hard for me to understand where I came from a situation where life is hard, you get over it, you deal with it, and you move on, and you take care of the situation. The academic world in which you're dealing with undergraduate population students, new undergraduate population students, they haven't realized that you can't let that affect how you get things done. Yes, life is hard, but you have to get over it kind of thing. And it's, it's, they, that still hasn't sunk in for them. I think that was the biggest clash I had with, uh, uh, in my undergraduate career. I guess, yeah, those students are still used to having an adult mediate a yeah, crisis I, for them. So <laughs> you were you you did it all directly head on. Well, I, I want to give us a chance to uh, give you a chance to post us on so many different opportunities. There are opportunities. First, I want for David to talk about some internships for STEM and other uh, non-STEM uh, engineering students. So why don't you first open with that? We've got tons of announcements, and we're going to cover them all in the show. Yes. Uh, so again, another shout-out to the BRC here at UC Irvine. Please, if, if you're a veteran, you know, a friend of a veteran, go there and use the resources. We can, they can only provide you with the resources. They can make you go and use them. So please go and use them. Um, so I am hosting a, uh, a undergraduate uh, internship uh, talk, you might say. It's next Wednesday. It will be at the Engineering Tower, room 331, here at UC Irvine. Let's just say that's a November 19th, uh, right? Wednesday? Next, yes, next, next Wednesday. Wednesday, right. Yeah. So, and we'll be, I'll be talking about uh, internships out there. And I feel that as veterans, a lot of internships in the federal level or in a lot of internships in the government level or, or, or private companies that have a lot of... Um, dealings with uh, the government, say like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, they have a lot of government contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're looking for veterans interns because they know how veterans can perform. They know the potential you bring to the table. They know that you have been in the situation where you've dealt with that structure that they have. So if if you're a veteran, you're not even if you're in the STEM field, a lot of what I'm going to say will apply to non-STEM internships. Please come to those, um, my, my talk. I'll have um, I'll, I'll list out actually internships out there. There's application. There is application process. So I will walk you the steps of how to get one, how to uh, set up your essay if they do require an essay, and I think it would be a perfect fit if you're if you're a veteran, you're looking for internships. There's opportunities are out there for you for sure. That's great. So that's on next week, November nineteenth, and then there are some announcements for what there will be a panel this week can you tell us about that gabby maybe david could uh, add to that this week's panel at the the veteran center uh on thursday which is in two days we're going to have a veteran student panel so i'm going to be part november of november 13 mm-hmm. i'm going to be a part of that also and that's going to be over at moss cove um over by the student center okay and yes. what will that that will be about it's I, I think it's just basically going to be like um kind of like what this is you know just a little bit of an interviewing kind of a situation and i think it's going to give uh the students a chance to ask questions too uh, yeah it's, it's going to be nice oh and on top of that um today for any veterans out there we do have um certain deals that are great for veterans like um we have some free meals that we can we can go to um applebee's gives a free meal to veterans chili's also, California Pizza Kitchen. Um, Starbucks is offering a free tall brewed drink. Krispy Kreme Donut has a, a free uh, donut. And uh, IHOP gives free pancakes until 7 p.m. So uh, Veterans Day is one of my favorite days now because I, I get to, you know, go and have a, a free meal over at Chili's or 
or Outback Steakhouse also gives uh, free blooming onions. So that, I think that's really awesome. This is a community radio pitch for all the other uh, businesses to consider contributing. This is a very small list for all all the service that you've offered and sacrifices you've made. That uh, that's a that list can certainly be added to. <laughs> so today, uh, the Orange County unions, led by the Orange County Employees Association, along with veterans and community leaders, they're organizing a veterans community celebration uh, to pay tribute to veterans and families. And they are going to start right at 10 o'clock, right when this show is over today, and they'll go until 3 o'clock at the Orange County Fair and Event Center on 88 Fair Drive. And I also see here uh, there's a number of job fairs. I could see them in L.A. County um, on Thursday, November 13th. From 10 to 1 is one uh, for veterans, active duty, military members, Guard Reserve members, military spouses as well, helping the veterans and transitioning service members um, and helping them leverage experience to achieve their civilian career goals. That's how they put it. And it's at the University of Phoenix Gardena Learning Center. And there's also going to be one on Thursday at the Dodger Stadium from 11 till three. So those are just a few. And it's not hard just to search a few more folks, but... What, so are, what are you going to do? Are you going to go out to those businesses today and oh, say... sadly, I have midterms coming up. So you're not even going to get your meal. I'm going to maybe Not even have, a tall drink. Maybe I'll go to... Uh, I think Olive Garden does something, too. But um, I think I'm, I might just go to Chili's and then come back and study. Maybe I'll study there and then go somewhere else after that. And you said off mic that it, folks bring your ID, your military oh, yes, ID. Oh, so got to bring your ID. Keep this uh, the institution. Uh, yeah, because they're doing <laughs> a great a great service to us uh, you know, help, helping our military people out. So bring your ID to, to show who you are. Well, fine. For those of you, we're, we're wrapping up the show today on Ask a Leader. It's sort of Ask a Veteran with David Kwok and Gabby Kobos. David's served in and uh, it's retired. Are you you're retired from the the Marine uh, Corps? I, I received my honorable discharge. So I think there's a difference between retired and Getting your discharge. Okay. See, I think retired. You did your twenty plus years or something. Oh, like that. okay. But yeah, discharge, honorably discharged. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. And that's that's Same here also. that's always it's like an a title to put the honorably discharged because mm-hmm. there are up several. There are yes. so many, and they all mean something mm-hmm. very different. There's not that. There's it's not nuanced. So uh, those are some of the events. And for you wanting to know what's happening at UCI, there's the website on the World Wide Web at veteran.uci.edu and the number to call, 949-824-8045. And uh, I would like to thank both of you for being on Ask a Leader, David Kwok and and Gabrielle Cobos today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, a great I'm, opportunity. Oh, it's very good. I'm, uh, it's, but it's just an hour away from the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month, making the armistice come to the end that was to end all wars. Next week, we'll hear from a qualified health insurance broker, DDA Mojais, to talk about the choices available during the enrollment period that's about to begin, and it will be a pared-down insurance health insurance enrollment period from last year. Then... The director of the Race to Nowhere, Vicki A. Bellies, and University High School Assistant Principal Michael Giorgino will look at the root causes of the culture of overachievement. That sounds a little bit odd now after we've talked about combat and support military, but it's a, there is a, an issue with this culture of overachievement. 35 years since that film's release, uh, why do we know it's a crisis? Well, we, we can just check out the difficulties that the UC system has in meeting the demand for good therapists. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Thank you.